Bonsoir tout le monde. Bonsoir. Est-ce qu'il y a des gens qui parlent français ici ou non Oui, un petit peu Un petit peu Non Ok, I'll go in English. It's a delight. Nay, it's a privilege to be here tonight with you and an honor. And I know that God is here because you walked in with his spirit. And so he's going to speak to us. He's going to speak amongst us. He may speak to you by way of someone else. You may hear the still small voice of the Holy Spirit in your spirit, but God is here and he's going to speak tonight. I declare it, I believe it, and I ask you to join with me in listening for him. Amen? Amen. Good, good. I'm Blair Bonin. Uh, my wife and I are from South Louisiana, so we're good Cajuns where we have some of the best food in the world. Yeah? All right. And um, we are the parents of a small tribe of people. Uh, we have our sixth child with us tonight, who's the only one still at home. That's Josiah. He's 12. The rest of those that you see in the mix there with us are those that are unclaimed as of yet. And are making their way in the world, adulting and being in college and working. And then if you'll go to the next slide, you'll see our two oldest daughters who are now married. They are claimed. And uh, they are married and um, they are both expecting. So they are going to make us grandparents this year, coming this coming year. So we're excited about that. So the, the tribe is expanding, the clan is enlarging, and, um, and they all love Jesus and serve him. And so we're very thankful for the way that God has blessed us and our family and called us to his purposes in the earth. And that's kind of what I want to speak to you about this evening. If you will incline to listen to what I'm saying, but also take a moment to bow your head and your heart. I want to pray one more time that um, God would have his way. So, Father, we are here in your presence and we are thankful for who you are in our lives Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. You are welcome in this place. Come and speak to us, Lord. Give us ears to hear. Give us spiritual eyes to see. Give us a heart and a mind to understand. And give us a will, Father, to put into practice the things that we will hear from you tonight. We ask it in the name of Jesus, our King, 
our Lord, our Savior, and for the sake of his kingdom around the world. Amen. Amen. We go to the next slide. We are all on mission with God. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ and a Jesus follower. Tonight, I want to share some glimpses from the Word of God along with some glimpses from the community called Students for Christ Europe. And that's the community that we lead, that we coordinate across Europe. We live in southern French-speaking Belgium. We've been there for 24 years, and we have raised our family there, and we've been working with students for 20 of those 24 years. We had the privilege and the honor of co-founding or co-pioneering the Students for Christ Belgium. Students for Christ is the equivalent of Chi Alpha in the United States. We just don't have a Greek fraternity and sorority system in Europe by which we name groups. So we are SFC, Students for Christ, but it's the equivalent of what you know as Chi Alpha. We've been doing that for a good while now, and for the last 10 years, we have been serving as coordinators for Students for Christ Europe, where we have 17 pres presence in 17 different nations of Europe. And it's a joy and an honor to see students interact with each other across cultures, across boundaries, across all kinds of paradigms to come together, serve Jesus, and believe in what he's doing in their continent. So it's really a joy to, to, to do that, to serve in that way, and we thank God for it. Without further ado, I would like to go straight into our, um, our passage of Scripture for this evening. We're going to look at 2 Corinthians 5, verses 14 to 17. And we're going to read that together and highlight a few words. For the love of Christ controls us. Certain versions say compels us. Certain versions say constrains us, pushes us, controls us. Because we have concluded this. This is Paul, the Apostle Paul, speaking to the Corinthians. This is in the New Testament, which is the second half of the Bible. And he's saying to this to this community of believers, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died, and he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh when he lived on the earth, we regard him thus no longer because he has risen, he has resuscitated, he has, he has shown by his resurrection power that he is God. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself, reconciled us, brought us back into agreement with God. 
put us on right standing with the Father, the Creator, reconciled us, brought us back into seeing God for who He is and for what claims He has on our lives. All of this is from God who through Christ reconciled us, brought us to agreement with the Father and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself by his act on the cross, by his sacrifice on the Roman instrument, not counting their trespasses or their sins against them, And in trusting to us, we see a second time the message of reconciliation. Two times so far in this passage. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. How does God make his appeal to the lost? I ask you. Through us. How does God make his appeal to the spiritually lost? How does God make his appeal towards reconciliation with the Father by way of Jesus? How does he do that? Now make it more personal. How does God make his appeal to the spiritually lost? Make it more personal. Through me. Through me. me. And you. 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 Through us collectively. Through me individually. We are ambassadors. So, we implore you, Paul says, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be, no, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Through Christ Jesus. I am here tonight to declare to you. To submit to you. Your Christian life. Is certainly. Not all about you. I hope that's not new news to you. Your Christian life is certainly not all about you. It's about what Jesus has done in you, what he wants to do through you, and about his overarching purposes in the earth. This is God's overarching purpose in the earth. That you, that we, That I, we are his 
ambassadors. And ambassadors are sent in the world that we know it from one kingdom or sovereign nation or government to another to represent their sovereign's interests. We are ambassadors in this world representing the sovereign interests of the creator God to his creation. That is what your Christian life is all about. Those are the overarching purposes of God for each and every one of us. And as Mr. John Koshel said, maybe was it last week, a life of sacrifice and the call of God is what we are meant for. Now let's get to the bigger picture beyond the USA. Because there are billions of people around this globe who don't know anything about anything about Jesus, the creator God who loves to break into personal histories and transform the way we live through his awesome spirit's power working within us. His awesome power works within us so that people can see Jesus. As the savior of the world. This is what we call the Missio Dei. That's Latin for God's mission. This is what God's mission is in history. What is, it, what is God up to in this world? In this big wide world that he created? What's the big picture? What is the mission of God? Well it's this. It's that Jesus the Christ, his son, was a missionary. He was sent. A missionary is simply this, y'all, a sent one. So in a large general sense, we are all missionaries. We are all sent ones. Did not Jesus say to his disciples as he ascended to the Father that he was sending them to all the nations to make disciples? That was their commission. That is still our commission. To make disciples of every nation. I did not say to make converts. I did not say to get people to pray a sinner's prayer. I said to make disciples, followers of Jesus. It's hard. It takes a long time. But it is so worth the effort. How can I get in on what God is doing in the earth? Well, before we go there, we have to go back. We have to go back to the beginning. We have to go back to Genesis. We have to go back to the garden. We have to go back... To the fall. Because when Adam and Eve sinned, death entered the world. 
spiritual and physical. And yet, God knew beforehand what was going to transpire. God still, in his all-encompassing knowledge and wisdom, still had a plan. And what is the plan? Well, let's look at Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. Which, by the way, is the first messianic verse of the entire Bible. It lays a foundation of pointing to the future of what is going to come in the person of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Many, many, many hundreds of years later. But God speaks to the snake, the serpent, the devil, Satan, the evil one. And he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman. And, uh, and between your seed and her seed. And he shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. In other words, Satan in every attempt and with all of the power that he had bruised the Christ as he was put on the Roman cross and probably in much glee behind the scenes thought that it was over. He had killed the sent one. Yet God always has the ace up his sleeve and three days later in resurrection power raises his son from the dead and through that raising, the Bible tells us that all powers and principalities were put under Jesus' feet and he crushes the head of the enemy. It's like the African brother said one time, God is the only one strong enough to squeeze a blessing out of a curse. I want to show you how God squeezed a blessing concretely out of a curse in Belgium. When we arrived to do student ministry in the year 2000, we were locating on one campus in one city. We had one name of one person that a fellow missionary had given to us and said, back in the 1980s, Way, way, way long time ago for y'all. Back in the 1980s, there was a missionary who came and who planted student ministry and a church at the same time in this city, in this university. They laid a foundation. They gave of themselves. They labored. They raised up a ministry. And then the missionary got ill. He got cancer. Remember, Adam and Eve sinned. Death, sickness, illness, spiritual, physical, entered the world as a result of that choice. We were all then born with a sin nature as a result of that choice. The missionary contracted cancer. He got a brain tumor and had to return to the United States. He eventually passed away. 
shortly thereafter. And here we were, 18 years later. But how many of you know that God does not let his word return void? Without accomplishing the purposes that he has determined should be done. We had one name. One man. A man from Madagascar, wasn't even a Belgian guy. We went to see him. We talked to him. We explained our vision of what we had come to do. He said, I'm no longer a student. Yes, I was in that student group. Yes, I was a student, a part of that student church at the time. I'm no longer a student, but I have two sons. They're both students. Take them. Use them. To plant, to replant this ministry. Replant this ministry because for more than 18 years now, I have been praying that God would send someone back to replace the guy who had to leave. We were the answer to that prayer unbeknownst to us. And this young man on the right is one of the sons of that brother who eventually became the national leader of all of SFC Belgium. God squeezed the blessing out of a curse. Later on in Genesis 12, we see that God chooses a man named Abraham. Stick with me now. We're going along a timeline and we have to, we have to clue in. We have to stick in for a moment. He chooses a man named Abraham who is upright and noble. And he says to Abraham in Genesis 12, I'm calling you and I'm sending you out. I will bless those who bless you and the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. We're skipping a lot of generations here to get to Abraham. This was hundreds of years later. Nevertheless, God chooses this man who will become the founder of the nation of Israel. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that you hear about in the Old Testament. And through that nation, God will begin to thread his promise. God will begin to weave his will and his way through this nation of Israel. It's a golden thread of God's promise to bless the nations of the earth through the nation of Israel. Though Israel, don't get it wrong, was not any more special than any other people on the face of the earth. God simply chose a people through whom he would work. And they would become his instruments of righteousness. They would become his instruments They would become the people that represented God to the other nations of the earth and the other nations of the earth to God. So throughout the Old Testament, God sought to have Israel be those representatives. representatives. 
that he desired. But time and again, they failed and showed lack of faith and obedience. Nevertheless, there were glimpses along the way of God's design to send a once and for all solution to the relationship annihilating sin problem. Of the world, and he did that via the judges and the kings and the prophets until the time was right for the arrival of the Messiah. That's why Isaiah says in 45 3, I give you hidden treasures which is stored in secret places, so that you may know that I am the Lord, the God of Israel, who calls you by your name. Those riches are not material wealth. They are the people, the men and women, boys and girls of this world who will find life through Jesus Christ. How has God blessed the nations of the earth in practical ways? Well, let me tell you a story about Nelly and Laha. Nelly on the left is from the Congo. Laha is a Belgian. You may remember in history that Belgium colonized the Congo. And so we have hundreds of thousands of Congolese students who live and go to school and university in Belgium. Well, let me tell you what's really easy. Africans in general, Africans in general have a much keener sense of spirituality than the white Europeans for whom Christianity is passé. For whom Christianity doesn't respond to any need that they have because they don't have a need. They're so secular, they don't even need God. They have no need of God. They have everything they want and need. So, as a result, the student ministry groups fill up with Africans. The white Europeans say, oh, that's just an African thing. Kind of tough. Because we want to reach everyone with the gospel. So I challenged the African students. I said, you have to see yourself as a missionary here. Just like me. You have to see yourself as a missionary. You have to bridge the cultural gap. You have to build lifelong friendships with the Belgian people. Nelly took it to heart, built lifelong friendship with Laha. They were both studying law. Laha would pass by our coffee-to-go table all the time. She would see the smiling faces, the free coffee. Who are you? A Christian group on campus. Just trying to show God's love in a practical way. No strings attached. If you want to stay and talk with us, you're welcome. If not, no problem. God bless you. And Lara's heart was intrigued. And through her relationship with Nellie, became a believer and became quite the evangelist in the SFC group. Because somebody dared to see herself as a missionary sent by God to cross the cultural barriers. This is how God is blessing the nations of the earth. These are the treasures of darkness and the hidden riches in secret places. And the triumph of God's mission is this. 
is that Jesus having all authority invites mankind to participate in the harvest. That's you and me, friends. How does God make his appeal to the spiritually lost? And more personally, God's will is strong enough that it gives us a want to go and a want to pray and a want to give so that God can move. He is the one that is doing that and giving us those wants, those desires. Speaking of giving and going, I want to tell you a little bit about Dido from the Congo as well. Who, when I first met him, I was introduced by his aunt who, uh, her and her husband were pastoring a church we attended. And I met Dido and as soon as our hands touched and we shook hands, the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, he was already a believer. This is the man with whom you're going to reach your campus. So Dido and I became fast buddies and he became like a second son or a a third, a fourth son to us. We have three, that's true. <laughs> I forget sometimes, you know. <laughs> Arrows in the quiver, you know. <laughs> Became like a fourth son to us. Of course, he's older than all our sons, so, you know, that's kind of what tripped me up. But anyway. And after his studies, I mean, he was a worker bee extraordinaire. He loved people into the kingdom. And Dido was one of the few Congolese that said, I'm not staying in Europe. I'm going back to my country because it needs me. And Dido went back to the Congo, a country devastated by war. Devastated. It's one of the greatest atrocities of the last centuries. He went back to his country, but before he went back, he gave a year. Before he went into the workforce, and I can tell you he couldn't afford it. He was an international student. He could not afford it, but yet he said, you invested in me. I'm giving back a year, and I'm giving it right here in this group before I go to the marketplace. That's the spirit of God giving us the want to give and the want to go. Because in this next photo, we see three girls. Annette on the left is from the Congo. Eloise in the middle is from Belgium. And Sarah on the right is from France. And the long and short of this story is that Annette is a pastor's kid. Sarah was from a believing family also, but Eloise did not know God. She had lots of hurt. Her father had committed suicide. She didn't know Jesus at all. But one day we had an evangelist, a freak thing. I didn't even arrange for him to come. He came and he ministered in our student group with such power that Eloise's sister who visited was prayed for by this guy and she fell out flat on the floor and she wasn't even a believer. 
So this wasn't this fake, you know, fall down and... No, it was the real thing. She fell out and got up and said, what in the world happened to me? She became radically transformed and shared her faith with her mom and her sister. Eloise then became a believer. I had the privilege of marrying her and her husband. And they are now pillars in their local church, leading the Department of Families and Couples. Sarah finished her degree. Annette finished her degree. She's working for a multinational company in Brussels, Belgium, in the capital. And Sarah, who was the leader of the group of those girls, responded to a call to foreign missions after her degree and served in the Middle East for a number of years just returning back recently. God gives us the want to give and to go and to pray. How then do we respond to God's mission? We are called to finish the task of making disciples of all nations because God is in pursuit of the nations of the earth. We really are his chosen partners with the Holy Spirit to help accomplish his mission in history. It's as St. Francis Xavier said, give up your small ambitions and come with me to save the world. Of course, he wasn't saying that he was the savior of the world by any means. He was saying, come with me in whom resides the living Christ and let's go. And make disciples in all of this big wide world together. This is responding to God's mission. And when we respond to God's mission, miracles happen. I was speaking in a Chi Alpha in Lafayette, Louisiana many moons ago. And I met this young lady after the service who came up to me and said... You're a missionary to Belgium? I said, yes. And she said, I'm from Belgium. My parents immigrated to Belgium in the 1970s from Haiti, but I was born and raised in Belgium. I speak French. And, you know, this, that's my home. I said, what are you doing in South Louisiana? <laughs> She's like, I'm a French teacher in the French immersion schools of South Louisiana to revive and help Keep alive French as a language. I said, when does your contract end? (laughs) The following year, her contract ended and Anais came back to Belgium and plugged into our student group in Brussels, became the first intern in our internship program, came to the campus where we planted and turned over to national leaders, took that campus under wing, led that campus for a number of years, and I'm happy to report to you today that Anais is currently the national leader of Students for Christ Belgium, leading all of the staff of national people, and she is the very first home missionary to Belgium raising her own budget in a land where almost every single pastor is bivocational. And home missionaries are not heard of 
two years ago at our annual training conference in Berlin, she said, Blair, God spoke to me and he told me to quit my job. She was now a teacher of English in the French schools in Belgium. And she said, God told me to quit my job and to go full time with SFC. So every time I preached in a Belgian church, I'd take her around and we'd introduce her and we'd just plug her, you know, so that the pastors would get behind. And then, I mean, on top of the bivocational, never heard of a home missionary, raise a budget in Europe. Oh, my word. There's a woman. Leading the ministry. But God is in the business of miracles. When we respond to his mission. The student group in Pavia, Italy, is a vibrant SFC group, and they heard about a desire on behalf of an Italian missionary that was working across the water, the Adriatic Sea there in Albania, and how his desire was to reach out to the students in the city, and they responded to God's mission and said, let's go. And so with a student missions trip from Pavia, Italy, we went together and helped to launch the first Students for Christ group in the nation of Albania, a nation that is 70% Muslim. Responding to God's mission. So when we're on mission with God, this is our annual Students for Christ summer training event. Do you still have Reach the U here in the States? Equivalent of Reach the U. Summer training event where we gather the nations across Europe to train, to learn together how to reach fellow fellow students in a secular, highly secular, post-Christian, post-modern society. Now, I'm targeting you right between the eyes. I'm just letting you know before I do it. You ready? In the United States of America, we are 10% of global Christianity. Let that sink in. We're only 10% of global Christians, but we have 53% of all global monies. We are 10% of global Christianity, but we have 70% of all global technology. We are 10% of global Christianity, but we have 75% of all global training resources. Luke 12:48 says, "To whom much is given, much is required." Spider-Man's uncle said it like this: "With great power comes great responsibility." We have a responsibility. Now you have a responsibility. You, singular. I have to say it like that because in English it's plural or singular. In French it's different. Probably all the other languages represented here. You, singular, 
have a responsibility. And we collectively have a responsibility to God's mission in the earth. It is time, friends, to abandon superficiality, which is the curse of our age. One of the greatest complaints that my European students have is Americans are so superficial. They run into each other and they say, hey, how's it going? Never, haven't seen you in weeks or months. Let's get together. Let's grab a coffee. And then all of a sudden you are bypassing each other and the American has never thought of it again. Now I'm lumping myself in there because je suis américain. Superficiality is the curse of our age. Let us abandon it for life-giving friendships and relationships that will last for a lifetime. Walk with people and disciple people even before they become Christians. Because in your world, in my world, we wanted to believe first and then belong. We wanted to know what this was all about, this Chi Alpha thing. What is this about? What do they believe? What do they do? Where do they go? How do they operate? But in your world, you don't care. You will belong before you believe. You will come. Sachiko, case in point. You will belong before you believe. And so discipleship often happens before conversion in your world. And in many of the cultures of our world. So I'm calling you to action tonight. To pledge to respond to the Great Commission. By praying for those who have not heard. Prayer is not a negligible thing. It is a foremost powerful thing in our lives. And in this world. The brother prayed for 18 years. That God would send somebody back to replant the student ministry. I'm calling you to give to support missions as your campus pastor already has. And I thank you for what you have given tonight. I'm calling you to going. Going. Now listen, everybody goes, friends. Some of us go across the street and to our workplace, like the two young gals that work here as home missionaries or, or as missionaries in their work environment. Every one of us is called. Some of us go across the street or around the corner. Some of us grow, go to another state. Some of us go to another nation. But we all are to respond by going. And whatever it means, I say to the Lord, whatever it means about prayer and giving and going, I say yes. Because he is my sovereign. 
And I am his ambassador. I can do no other. If the president of the United States says to his ambassador to wherever in the world, do this, don't do that, the ambassador must obey. We are his ambassadors. We are his ambassadors and we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. Stand to your feet with me. We're going to pray. And these altars are going to be open, but we don't need the band. Thank you, though. I appreciate it. We don't need the band. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. I know it's protocol, but I'm flipping protocol on its head tonight. God is big enough to call and speak to us individually without music playing in the background. Thank you very much. No worries to the band. We love you. You do a great job. You led us at the beginning and you will continue to lead us. But tonight... We're just going to respond like this. We're going to say, Jesus, here I am. Here am I. Send me. Whether it be across the street or around the world. Because the Holy Spirit comes where he is invited. And he stays where he is made welcome. He is invited through prayer and he is welcomed through obedience. And let me just say this, conviction, be it ever so excellent, is worthless until it converts itself into conduct. And I'm preaching to myself. My convictions mean nothing unless it changes my character. But Blair, I don't have anything to give. I don't know anybody. I can't do it. I'm an introvert. You know, na-da-da-da-da-da. Hogwash. What makes the church is not the gifts of an extraordinary few. What makes the church is the grace of an extraordinary God. If you ever heard the story of Nikki Cruz, who was a a gang member won to the Lord by a famous David Wilkerson back in the day in the 1950s, gang member, leader of the gangs, he said, when God got a hold of his heart, dear God, I am the dirtiest sinner in New York. I don't think you want me. 
But if you do want me, you can have me. As bad as I was before, I want to be that good for Jesus. I want to be that good for Jesus. I want to make Jesus' name great among the peoples of the earth, including my own. So tonight, if God has been stirring in your heart and has spoken to you and you sense it clearly or it's been a conviction or something has been confirmed, that something that I said through the Spirit has been confirmed to your life and you sense that God is calling you to a cross-cultural, out of your American culture, a cross-cultural missions experience endeavor, whether it be shorter term or longer term, if God has impressed that upon your heart tonight, come to the front immediately. Get out from where you are and come to the front immediately and let's line up and pray. In some way, shape, or form, God is putting his finger on your heart about a cross-cultural missions endeavor. Come. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit of God. Thank you, Holy Spirit of God. Thank you, Holy Spirit of God. For those of you that are still in your seats, you are not lesser. Because you are equally called to be missionaries wherever God sends you in your culture. And you are called to send these types here. That is part of your responsibility. So I want you to come and find a person you can lay hands on and pray for them. Put your hands on the back of them and pray that God would help you. And you missionaries who are here tonight with us, you come around to the front and I would like you to pray along this line, please. Just make your way through. Just push them out the way a little bit and make your way through and pray in front of these guys you missionaries who are my colleagues, come and pray in front of these guys tonight. You can begin to pray as the Lord leads. Father, we give you our best. We give you our best, Lord. We will not hold back. We will not hold back. We give you our best. Oh God, speak, clarify, confirm, solidify, concretize your word 
in our hearts tonight. We make space for the king, for the sovereign to call, to lead, to speak. We make place for our sovereign. We make place for our sovereign. The Moravian missionaries had a great missionary cry, and it was simply this. May the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. And that is our prayer tonight, Lord, that you would receive the reward of your suffering. We give ourselves away, God, for your great purposes in the earth. It's not about our degree. It's not about our job. It's not about our future spouse, our house, our car, our money in the bank. God, it's about your divine call to be your sent ones wherever we may find ourselves. Help us to make your name great. Help us to ask of you how our skills and talents might best serve your kingdom. Help us to ask, Lord, what's the most strategic and God-ordained plan to pursue with my studies, my degree, so that the name of Jesus can be most honored and most glorified. Where might I become a catalyst to help the least reached discover that they are loved by their creator? <laughs>